Hello and welcome to How To Money, a financial education podcast for young Australians aimed at opening up the conversation around money. In each episode, your host, Kate Campbell, brings in a variety of guests to explore everything from buying shares to starting your own business, all with the aim of kickstarting your personal finance journey. Just a quick reminder that everything we cover in this podcast is for financial education purposes only, and we are not giving you any advice. If you do want advice, please seek the help of a qualified and competent professional and do some research. Remember, it's your money, so take control. In this episode of the How To Money podcast, we've got our friend David back from Credit Simple to chat about some of the research they've done recently on the long-term effects that deadweight flatmates can have on your financial future. There's definitely a few things in today's episodes that I hadn't really thought about before. And if you're a young person in a share house situation or just renting in general, definitely recommend having a listen to today's episode and checking your credit score afterwards to make sure there's not too much uh, happening on there that you don't know about. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. I'm David Scognamilio. I'm CEO of a company called Credit Simple. And what we do is we give people access to their personal information for free. So things like credit scores, credit information, tie together a whole bunch of transaction data to help people be able to see their financial position. And we give that to people for free and hopefully try and help them use that information to get better deals. And in Australia, we've got about a million people on the platform. We're just about to reach a billion people. We should get there within about in the next 10 days. A billion, did you say? One million, not a billion. Oh, a billion. Yeah, <laughs> one say. million. Yep. A billion would be phenomenal, be outrageous. Well, that's, that's quite a few still in Australia. It means a lot more people are actually checking their credit score, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. There's about a million people that have um, come on the platform and, and it seems to be around about 30% go and have a look at some credit information each month, which is, yeah, it was unheard of five or 10 years ago. Mm. And I think, yeah, five years ago, you ask someone what their credit score is and they'd have no idea what you're talking about. But it's uh, people are starting to be more aware about all aspects of their finances, which is really good to see. Yeah, there seems to have been a bit of a movement over the last few years that people are getting a lot more interested in it. And there's a lot of good tools around as well. And I, I think certainly every time you walk through a bookshop, you see that the Barefoot Investor books are up there, ranked number you know, one, two, three, or four. So, And that's been consistent mm. for a long period of time now. So yeah, lots of people are getting interested in it. Yeah. And I've definitely seen a massive increase in just general personal finance books. I mean, I go and have a look at the Dimmick section in Melbourne and it just seems to be expanding. Everyone's, everyone's getting on the book wagon. So uh, hopefully there's some resources out there for everyone's preferences now. Yeah, it seems to be. So some of the research your company, Credit Simple, has done recently was quite intriguing about the costs of deadweight flatmates. So to get into that a little bit more, I'd love to hear about what are you defining as a deadweight flatmate? Yeah, so what we mean by is a deadweight flatmate. It's a flatmate that you would bring into your house and they don't pay their way or they leave with leaving you in debt. Probably a really good example of that would be someone who, just say you're at uni or you've got a unit that you need to get the shared room rented out, you bring someone in, they're you know, up for paying part of the electricity, part of the rent, tipping in for food, and they leave and leave you in the hock. So they leave you having to foot their side of the bill. Mm. 
Yeah. And one of the reasons this can happen is when the first flatmate or someone has all the bills in one of their names. Yeah, correct. That's, that's generally what we see happen is that the person that you know, gets the unit of the house first generally puts electricity to gas the lease in their name and then brings people on just to sort of help pay out, which kind of means that if you don't pay your energy bill and you're up for a, you know, a late, late for more than 60 days and you ended up with a default on your name, that would end up in your name, not in everyone else's name that was also responsible for the bill. So yeah, you see that a lot, that the first person in sets it up all under their name because that's generally what has to happen. Mm, yeah, and no, I definitely, I remember when I was living in a share house, it was definitely just one person paying all the bills and the internet and everything like that. And we just paid our share, but it's a lot of risk having all of that in one person's name. Oh, it's, a, it's actually a massive risk because the person that then gets stuck with the outstanding debt, not only has the outstanding debt. And if you, I remember when I had to share with flatmates, it certainly wasn't a time where I could do with a, another 200 or $300 worth of debt in a week. I had people in the apartments because I needed someone to help pay the rent. But you know, also a default on your credit file from an energy bill, and that's, you know, it could be after 60 days late, that's going to stop you from doing other things that you want to do. That'll sit on your file for five years. It will stop you. If it stays unpaid, it'll stop you from getting a mortgage. And certainly, just even having a default would stop you from getting a mortgage at some financial institutions and potentially force you down the road of having to get a, um, you know, maybe a mortgage or a home loan with someone that's going to charge you a higher interest rate, which costs you money. So if you are in that transition period, thinking about moving from renting to owning, yeah. Having making sure that you don't have people that put you in a precarious position, your credit report is really, really important. Mm, yeah. And I think another big issue with uh, young people when they're sharing is having only one person's name on the lease because then the other people just get up and go and then one person's left with the entire house's rent, which is probably way more than they can afford without sharing with other people. Oh, Completely. Putting your name, putting everyone's name on the lease is such an important thing. But also, you know, more importantly, just having cash up front or a kitty or money being paid up front is just as important because if someone does leave, at least you've got a few dollars there to handle the next month rather than being left in the hock. And um, rent's such a massive bill that mm. it's you know, unsustainable for someone just to walk out the door and not have their name on the lease or to have paid money up front beforehand. Yeah, and then it's probably as well with the bond if only one person's footing that up and they're stuck at the very end trying to get their bond back as well. So I think there's definitely um, some advantages to having everyone's name on the lease and it probably makes the other people in the, the share house a little bit more financially responsible to the whole situation. Yeah, completely. It would make everyone financially accountable. And you know, there's, if there's some repercussions with running away, it's less likely that someone's going to run away without leaving you with a bill that you can't afford. So, oh, completely. And it's a really interesting scenario because if you're the person that's got that first lease or the person that's got their names in the bill and it's organized at all, you really are in a position of strength where you're going to bring someone into your own house. You want to make sure that they're not just the right person, but they're also financially the right person to be able to keep the bills paid on time. Because the last thing you want to do is have a one, is have outstanding bills, but then also to live with someone and have to sit there on the couch and watch TV when you know that they're not paying their way. It just mm. doesn't make for a fun life as well as a fun financial life. 
Yeah. So what do you think are some of the ways that you can manage having multiple flatmates and dealing with finances? Because I know it's such a tricky topic to talk about. How do you approach all these issues saying, I do want your name on the lease and I do want you to have your name on one of the bills? Yeah, I think you just start off the right way. So I think it's tackling it before you bring someone into your house. So I think it's being really strong around bringing someone into your apartment or house and making sure that they're they're going to be the right person that you want, even if you're friendly with them. You just want to make sure that people have got good employment. You want to ask around. You want to make sure that they haven't done the dodgy on someone else beforehand. So I think if you start strong and you start and say, look, these are kind of the rules that I need sort of ticked for you to come into the house, I think people will understand that. And that kind of sets the tone in the scene. I think if you're slack on the way in, then you allow people to be able to take advantage of you. So I think you know, starting off really strong and going, you know, checking employment, getting references, saying these are the rules that I need to go through to be able to you know, have you here, that's kind of super important to set the scene. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think talking about it up front, it makes it a little bit easier because trying to, trying to change things later on, people probably go, oh, I never agreed to have my name on the lease or something like that. So having talking about it up yeah. front will hopefully prevent some of that. Exactly. And if someone says, no, they don't want that or no, I don't like operating that way, then you can make a decision early on to say, okay, maybe maybe we're not the pair. Absolutely. And, and if someone does have all of this in their own name and then they get negative marks against their credit file, what are some of the effects down the track? I know you mentioned it affecting your ability to get a mortgage, but what are some of the other impacts that might spring up down the track that affect your ability to get different services? If you do end up with some sort of default on your credit file from not paying energy, and to be really clear, not paying rent doesn't involve any impact to your credit file. So if you don't pay your rent, your landlord can't mark you on your credit file. There's other things called tenancy bureaus where there can be a mark on those tenancy bureaus, but your credit report doesn't get affected. Okay. Yeah. So there's, I think there's about three companies in Australia that run tenancy checks Mm. and generally landlords will run a tenancy check on you just to make sure that you haven't run off without paying a bill beforehand. You, the laws actually vary around those tenancy bureaus, but there's, I think there's three in Australia. Okay. Yeah. And they're interesting database in their own right. Your credit report can only, or your credit rating can only be affected by things like um, energy, water bills, things where finance is offered, or there's a essentially a finance payment, a telco, or an energy type payment. So if you say miss your energy bill, that could result in a default being on your file, and that default can last for five years. So that five year period, even if you were to pay the default off straight away, that default would still be shown on your credit file for five years. And the impact of that is that when lenders look at whether they're going to lend you or not lend you, one of the things that will knock you out from a loan pretty much anywhere is that if you've got an unpaid default on your file, the first thing the lender will do is just go, no, not approved, computer says no. Yeah. Um, so straight away, that means no loan. That's kind of no car loan, no mobile phone, no postpaid mobile phone, no mortgage, no personal loan. All of those things will be kind of not available to you. Now, what you will then have available to you is payday lending. And that though the interest rates that come with payday lending are you know, super high. You're talking 20s to 40% interest rates. Mm-hmm. 
then if you do pay your default off, you can get loans. So you can kind of move back into the environment where people will give you access to money at a reasonable rate. What you will find will probably happen is that a lot of the major banks will say no to you because their lending criteria is that harsh these days that if you have a history of defaulting, their models or algorithms will probably say that you've got potential to default again. So they probably say no to you for a mortgage. So it'd be unlikely that you'd end up with a mortgage from a big bank or even from one of the challenger banks these days, like the, um, I guess the TikToks, the Athenas, those types of banks, they, they will have strong policies as well. Mm. So that kind of forces you down then a road of if you're looking for a mortgage to go to someone that will accommodate people with a sort of checkered credit history. And that then forces you into, sure, you can get a mortgage, sure, you can get a personal loan, but you'll be risk-based priced up. So you'll be charged a higher interest rate. So instead of paying 2.84% for a mortgage, you might be in the fours, 4%. And that, that would cost you, you know, anywhere between sort of six to seven grand extra a year. So these kind of downstream impacts are quite significant. You know, they affect getting a mortgage, getting a personal loan, getting a car loan, getting a mobile phone getting set up for energy again, yeah, getting internet, lots and lots and lots of things that we take for granted. And you probably don't realise when you're at uni and in that share house that the risks that that can lead to down the track and the additional costs that that can cause you. I mean, I don't at uni you're not usually thinking about buying your first home or doing all of these other things that having a bad or a negatively impacted credit score could affect down the track. Yeah, it's interesting because you're generally not thinking about a mortgage. You're generally not thinking about other things. But the things you are thinking of is, you know, your mobile phone plan. Mm. If you wanted to get a better mobile phone plan or change providers because your coverage is pretty crappy on the one that you're on, it'll impact those types of services. And certainly when you're at uni, you're, you're probably finishing up when you're somewhere between 21 to 25, depending on how you're going. You're starting to, you know, really people are starting to look at investment properties pretty early on these days. So you might not be thinking about it at uni. and You might not be thinking about it even after uni when you're still in a shared house situation potentially. But it's something that you should just be aware of because it's, it's something that affects your future. It's something that you can deal with really early on if you were aware of it. And if it hits you and you're stuck with someone else's outstanding debt and they cause you a default on your file, it's something that's completely manageable that you don't need to deal with. Mm, absolutely. So if you do think that you've currently, you're in that sort of situation, you think, oh, I have defaulted on a few energy or water bills or something for my current situation. How can you go and actually check your credit score to see if that has been recorded or not? Yeah. So you can check that directly with this three main credit bureaus in Australia. There's one called Illion, I-L-L-I-O-N. There's one called Equifax. And there's one called Experience. So you can check directly with all of those. And also Credit Simple, we provide access to the credit information. We also give you a credit score and, and credit alerts. So every time something changes on your credit file, we will send you an email to say that it's changed. So there's the places that you can go to to get your credit information. It's all free. Mm. That actually wasn't all free three years ago. It's all free now. And then you can have a look at your credit information. And you can do a couple of things. One, if you think it's wrong, you can challenge it. And on Credit Simple, we kind of, we give it like a really sort of easy box on each of the data points. We just click on the data and go, 
question this and you can send that through to us and we'll pass it on to the credit bureaus who then work with the financial institutions to see if they can then challenge the data on your credit file and have that removed, expunged or updated. So you can do that and then simply you can have a look at your credit information and see if there's any outstanding monies. And if there are and you're thinking about applying for credit for a mortgage or say a car loan in the upcoming period, then you'd have a look at that and you'd potentially call one of those providers that, or the providers that you owed money to and you'd settle the debt. And one of the things you can do is if you owed, I don't know, $1,000 to a credit card company or $500 to an energy company, can always call them up and say, I can't afford that $1,000. What else can you do for me? How about instead of $1,000, we make it $300 or $500? You know, the banks and finance companies will always take some money rather to get some money rather than having to get chase all the money. So you can also get yourself a better deal on the debt that you owe just by simply asking for a better deal. Yeah. And I think most people wouldn't even think about that if they did have a debt that they couldn't pay calling up and negotiating it down. I think because the financial institutions usually write it off pretty quickly and they often sell it off to a third party. So yeah, I think getting anything from you would be a good thing for them. Completely. And think about it. I, you know, you'd give it a crack at, I think you could always get to about 50% of the debt if it's like an old, very old debt. Mm. But yeah, it's worth offering 30% and seeing how you go because as you said, they do end up selling the debt and they don't sell it for anywhere near the total value of it. So there's always an opportunity. If you think you owe $1,000 and it's an old debt, you can always offer to pay less money for your debt to have that cleared and marked as paid. And then that improves your credit file. Yeah. So that's the main way to improve your credit score. Is it just paying off those old debts? If you've got a default, paying a default back yeah. um, improves your credit score phenomenally. So it's definitely, I think, important for young people, especially if they're in this situation, to go and have a look at what their credit score is currently and how they can work on improving that for getting any service regarding credit in the future. Completely. And just make sure it's clean and stays clean. Yeah. It'll just um, it'll take those little wobbles out of when you want to apply for things in the future. And then I think the other thing to do these days as well is to, there's lots of good apps around to understand what your spending behavior looks like mm. and the banks will look at spending behavior now as well. So they'll look at what you spend on what versus what's your income and can you afford a loan as well. So there's sort of lots of good apps that categorize your spending data across multiple financial institutions. And um, yeah, that's another one to keep an eye on as well. So if you are looking at applying for a loan in the, in the near future, it's a really good thing to start to get some of your spending habits, I guess, get some of the spends out of your spend so that your spend transaction history looks looks solid, looks good. Because mm, they're, they're not just looking at the last month or two, they're looking at a, a much, I mean, at least 12 months, aren't they? Yeah, looking at 12 months these days, but having a good tidy last three to six months is a good thing. Yeah, awesome. So, David, if people want to find out a bit more about Credit Simple and check their credit score, where should they go? Yep, you can go to creditsimple.com com.au in Australia and in New Zealand you can go to creditsimple.co.nz they're the sort of two countries that we service you can see your information for free and there's lots of other good content that we keep writing and putting up on the site to give people as much information as we possibly can around the credit industry finance and generally living a better financial life 
So going and reading some of that would give you a lot more uh, skills in dealing with uh, your credit score along the way. I hope so. Yeah, completely. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, David. Uh, Thanks for having me again. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Kate. Thank you for listening to this episode of the How To Money podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send any questions our way via www.howtomoney.online. You can also catch us on Twitter and Instagram at howtomoneyaus and we'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to the How To Money podcast.